0: Our great loving Father, we are really thankful that we have the confidence to trust in Jesus, that he is our truth. And we pray this morning that you would speak to us by your spirit through your word so that we would know the truth and know Jesus as the way and the life. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. On Friday, our chief medical officer was asked if he believed the global reports that there were one million cases around the world of coronavirus. And he said that he did not trust those numbers, and he thought it would probably be five or ten times that amount. The question and his reply show that in this crisis, the truth really matters. In this world of fake news, we need to know the truth about this pandemic. And that's why the government has produced an app for our phones, which sends us updates, And it's why there are daily, almost daily press conferences from our national and state leaders telling us about the truth and correcting errors. And the reason why we need to have the truth is that the truth will save lives. That's why COVID-19 testing is so crucial. It shows the government where the infected people are and helps identify how the disease is spreading. The truth really matters. But when it comes to spiritual matters, it seems that most people think that the truth doesn't matter. Have you noticed that? We think that it doesn't matter what you think is true because what's true is true for me and what's true is true for you. Imagine if the chief medical officer said that there's lots of different statistics out there about COVID-19. Just believe the ones you like. Because what's true is true for you and what's true is true for me. What rubbish. And why do we think that then about eternity? Why is it that the most important truth in the universe is considered so unimportant? Why is spiritual truth relative when medical truth is absolute? Well, in this global medical health crisis, we rely on the truth and yet in this global spiritual health crisis, we rely on superstition and fairy tales. There's no more important time now to know the spiritual truth. We need spiritual truth now. We need spiritual truth now. Because we are closer than ever to the return of Jesus and the end of history, and we need the truth. And that is why we need to listen to Jesus today, loud loud, and clear he knows the truth he told the truth and he is the truth he shows us that he is the only way to have security and satisfaction in this life and in the next now for most of us those of us who are connected here via Zoom and have been members of our church, we know that Jesus is the way and we have confidence in the future. But it may be that there are a few of you who have connected via Zoom to have a listen to this meeting. And as you, or maybe you're listening via our podcast as well, our audio podcast, and as you listen or watch, it might be that you have some doubts about what will happen when you take your final breath. Today's talk is a matter of life and death. For some of us here, it might be the most important thing that you hear. Our key part of the Bible is from John's Gospel, chapter 14, verses 1 to 10. Let me read them to us now. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust also in me. There's more than enough room in my father's home. If this were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? When everything's ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be wi- be with me where I am. And you know the way to where I'm going. No, we, we don't know, Lord, Thomas said. We've got no idea where you're going, so how can we know the way? Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. If you'd really known me, you would know who my Father is. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father and we will be satisfied. Jesus replied, have I been with you all this time, Philip, and yet you still don't know who I am? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. So why are you asking me to show him to you? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I speak are not my own, but my Father who lives in me does his work through me. Jesus tells us where he's going, where we can go, and how we can get there. But before we look at those verses, we need to understand what's going on around them. See, Jesus is in the middle of a long conversation with his disciples. And it's only hours before he's about to be arrested and then executed. And there's a sad and emotional mood there because the disciples know that Jesus is about to leave. They know he's about to leave. A few verses earlier in chapter 13, 33, he said, Dear children, I will be with you only a little longer. And as I told the Jewish leaders, you will search for me, but you can't come where I'm going. He tells them he's got to go and that they can't come. And that brings all sorts of emotions to them. Peter's confused. He says in verse 36, Lord, where are you going? He's not asking because he's trying to get his theological questions all clear in his brain he, he, I think he's saying that because he doesn't want Jesus to go where are you going why are you going he's cut to the heart because they're separated and he knows it's going to be goodbye and yet because of that he, he kind of feels like he says Oh, he wants to show his devotion to Jesus and in verse 37 he says why can't I come now Lord I'm ready to die for you I'm not sure if Peter realised the irony of his comment there when he said, I'm ready to die for you. Maybe he was saying it because of his devotion to Jesus, but maybe he didn't realise that it in fact involved in, in fact, required Jesus to die for him so that he could come to Jesus. Farewells can certainly be very painful, can't they? And it's especially true when we know that the farewell is forever. Those final words at the bedside of a loved one as they are about to slip away to death, they can be very painful. The disciples knew that this was kind of the same thing for Jesus, although he wasn't weak and frail and on his last days of life because of health. He was on his last days of life because of death, because of the death that he would die so that we might live. And with that in mind, he then launches the next few verses where he says some very great words of comfort that are very familiar to us. If you've been along to a funeral, as I'm sure you have, John 14, 1-4, Jesus says, Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust also in me. There's more than enough room in my father's home. If this were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? When everything's ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am and you know the way to where I'm going. Jesus' words are words of comfort. He brings words of comfort. He says, don't let your hearts be troubled. He knew they were feeling pain. He knew they were in distress. He says, don't be sad, but trust God. They're in this moment of deep grief but also some confusion. And he says, you already believe in God, now you believe in me, but how does that connection work? Well, we'll get to that in a moment. But what is happening here is a lot of confusion because the disciples are going through a moment of suffering. And we all know that suffering makes us ask why. Uh, If you've been through serious suffering, you'll know that it's a natural thing to ask God why. Why have I got this cancer? Why has my loved one got this cancer? Author John Dixon writes about this in his book, If I Were God I'd End All the Pain, which I think is a great book. And He tells of a hardened atheist who was certain that God didn't exist. That was until his daughter died in a terrible murder. And after the tragedy, the atheist said he could not escape the urge to ask why. He believed that there was no spiritual life at all. There was no cause and effect. There was no great mover up there pulling the string. There was nothing. It was all just random, random, random. And yet when this happens, he calls out and says, why? Why? See, there's a time to ask why and it often comes when there's suffering and that's what the disciples did here. They wanted to know why and it's not because Jesus had lost the fight. It's because Jesus had to die to achieve his mission. What did he need to, why did he need to die? Verse 2, he says, There's more than enough room in my father's home. If this were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? The reason he has to die is that he needs to prepare a place for us in heaven. He's got to die to get there for us, to blaze the trail to where we're going, to, to die so we could have eternal life, to die so we could spend eternity with him. And that means that the pain that he is going to experience and the pain that they are experiencing in this grief is pain with a purpose. Jesus had to travel that journey so that we could meet him in his destination. But his journey's not over. Verse 3, he says that when everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am. He promises that their separation will not be forever. He will come back to take them, to be with him. What great words of comfort. See, these times of uncertainty needs some certainty. These times of sadness need some comfort, and that's what Jesus does. Jesus' words bring comfort. And he says, verse four, and you know the way, and you know the way to where I'm going. He says, guys, you know the deal. But it seems they don't. Because Thomas says, "Uh, no, we don't. We have got no idea where you're going. So how can we know the way? Thomas is the guy who often gets to say the stupid things, and that's what he did in a sense. But it's not that stupid, is it? There's an honesty there. But Jesus says, you know the way because you know me. Verse 6, he says so famously, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one can come to the Father God except through me. Jesus tells his disciples that they know the way because they know Jesus. Certainty in eternity comes through a person. And what's more, Jesus is also the answer to truth and to life. Because they know Jesus, they know the way, and they know the truth, and they know the life. The disciples might have thought it was tricky to get the pathway to eternal life, but it's just so simple. You just got to know Jesus. It's not rocket science, really. But it also means that if you don't know Jesus, you don't have eternal life. That's not rocket science either. If he's the way and you don't know him, then you don't know the way to get to heaven. and You don't have the way to get eternity and certainty for eternity. But this also means that if you try and go another way to the Father, then you will fail. And that is because Jesus is the exclusive way to God the Father. Now, we know this because Jesus has been there and he's come back and he's come back and he's shown them the way. Now, you might say that I'm being controversial when I say that Jesus is the exclusive way, and I am. You might even find this offensive for me to say that your friend who has a sincere faith in another religion is not actually going to be having any certainty for eternity that the sincere faith in Judaism or the sincere faith in Islam or the sincere faith in humanity or the sincere faith in the New Age movement, that this sincere faith will actually get them to, I'm saying, they won't get them to eternity. And you're saying, how can you say that? Well, the bottom line is that you can have a sincere faith, but you can be sincerely wrong. And Jesus is making this loud and clear. We need to realise that this is offensive because some will not agree with it. But whether we agree with it or not, it doesn't change what is true. I remember speaking to a person who was looking for a new minister for their church because the old one had retired or gone off to another post. And they said that as they interviewed ministers, they had a particular question they thought that would help them choose their man. And the question was this how often have you been persecuted for preaching about Jesus it wasn't like oh how much did your church grow you know how much more money came in or how many more people came in or how many things did you do in the community or how many it was how many times have you been persecuted for speaking a message that is offensive to some you see as we talk about how Jesus is the way the truth and the life we say that Islam, that, that Muhammad is not the way, It is not. he is not the truth, he is not the life. And that is offensive, of course. But sometimes the offensive things are true and we need to hear them. Because all of this, the truth of Jesus is life and death. See, the chief medical officer, he makes it very clear that we need accurate statistics. And it doesn't matter in your heart where you think that it's social distancing doesn't matter, or it doesn't matter in your heart that you think that there's actually not that many people who are sick. It's what are the actual numbers saying? The news of Jesus is life and death. And this will be controversial. 1 Corinthians 1.18 tells us that the message of the cross is foolish to those who are headed for destruction. But to we who are being saved, we know it's the very power of God. And he says also in the second Corinthian letter, our lives are a Christ-like fragrance rising up to God. But this fragrance is perceived differently by those who are being saved and by those who are perishing. To those who are perishing, we are a dreadful smell of death and doom. But to those who are being saved, we are a life-giving perfume and who is adequate for such a task as this. Jesus had to be the only way... Because it's only by seeing Jesus that you'll see the Father. Because he says that if you've seen him, you've seen the Father. If you've seen Jesus, you've seen the Father. That's the only way to get to the Father. Verse 7. If you'd really known me, you would know who my Father is. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Seen one, you've seen them both. And that's because the Son and the Father live in each other. And we see this in the way that Jesus responds to Philip's question. Verse 8, Philip said, Lord, show us the Father and we'll be satisfied. But Jesus says, verse 9, Have I been with you all this time, Philip, and yet you still don't know who I am? Anyone who's seen me has seen the Father. So why are you asking me to show him to you? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I speak are not my own, but my Father who lives in me does his work through me. See, we have hope because Jesus is God. See, it is sure hope because God has walked in history. Look, if we had cameras 20, 2,000 years ago and could record them on our phone, we would see Jesus as clearly as you are seeing me on this camera. He was in history. And God showed his love for our fallen world in history by sending us Christ. And God gave his life for his created beings in history as Jesus died for us. And God rose from the dead, guaranteeing eternal life for those who trust in him when Jesus rose from the dead. And we celebrate that on Good Friday, and we're going to do that right here in this building. There may only be three of us, as there are today, but we will be connecting more widely through our internet. And we celebrate this because it is the greatest day in history. It's going to be a wonderful day when they find a cure to COVID-19, but that's nothing compared to having a cure to death. Because Easter celebrates the greatest day in history. There's none other that is better. And so with all of this in mind, I need to ask you the question, Are you ready to die? People die all the time. But it seems likely, if we follow the trend of the rest of the world, that there's going to be a lot more death happening in the next couple of weeks in Australia. It may even be that you are one of those people who ends up in a hospital on a ventilator and perhaps through COVID 19 end up breathing your last breath. Are you ready to die? Are you ready to stand before Jesus as judge? Well, the good news is that if you trust in Jesus, you have certainty for eternity because in him we have an antidote to hell. And this is the greatest news. It's what you need to know and truly believe at this time of history. It's quite simple. You just need to ask him to be your loving ruler And you need to say sorry that he hasn't been. It's pretty simple. And when you get to judgment day, he will look at you as friend, not as enemy. He will look at you as innocent, not as guilty. He will look at you as loved and forgiven. If you haven't come to Jesus yet, you've got to do it now. You've got to do it this morning. You don't know what this week will hold. You've got to do it now more urgently than ever before. You need to come to Jesus who is the way, the truth and the life and therefore have that certainty so that when you die you will see your room that is there in the Father's house. You're walking down the corridor to use the metaphor and you will see a door and it will have your name on it. That comes from trusting in Jesus. Do you want to trust in him? Here's a prayer up here on the screen. And I wonder if you might like to pray it out loud. I'm going to read it first so you know what it says. It says, Dear Jesus, thank you for dying to prepare a place for me in heaven. Thank you that you are the way, the truth and the life. Sorry I have rejected you as the creator and ruler of the world. Please help me to follow you as my loving ruler all my days. Amen. If you pray that prayer or something like it, and you do it for the first time and you really mean it, then you don't need to fear COVID-19. You don't need to fear Judgment Day. You can have certainty for eternity. And so now, in the uh, normally when we're all gathered here, and there's lots of us here in these pews in this church, I'd say to you, don't say it out loud, say it in the quietness of your own heart. But given that you're probably sitting just with you and maybe one other person, why don't you say it out loud? I'm going to say one line, a sentence at a time. Then I'm going to leave a gap about the same amount of time for you to say it out loud if you'd like to pray it. And then after that, I will close. Dear Jesus, thank you for dying to prepare a place for me in heaven. Thank you that you are the way, the truth and the life. Sorry I have rejected you as the creator and ruler of the world. Please help me to follow you as my loving ruler all my days. Amen. If you've prayed that prayer, you have certainly for eternity. You've trusted in Jesus who is the way, the truth, the life. And even as you face uncertainty in the future, you now have certainty for eternity. And friends, this is the cure that our world needs most. Please keep praying they find a cure to COVID-19. But there's a bigger problem and a bigger solution, and we've got it right here. Praise God that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you so much that you came and showed us the Father. We trust in you as the way, the truth, and the life. And pray that in these dark and uncertain days that more people would share this confidence in eternity, in you, and find a cure to hell and death in your safe and loving arms. And we ask it in your name. Amen.